everybody and welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your humble host, Love Polyakov at LovePo on Twitter, and we've got Andrew Rogers, aka Tux Loves You, joining us. And we have the guest of honor, the uh, great and very powerful Jason Stapleton. Uh, you have been a big influence to me for uh, about uh, you know several years now. Back in 2016, I remember uh, watching back then when it was called the Jason Stapleton Program, recommended by uh, none other than uh, Dave Smith. And uh, from there, I think uh, you know it made me think about the future. It made me think about what the things are to uh, focus on. And uh, right now, your show is called uh, A Well Powered Influence, which I think is something that a lot of people on I don't know if it's right to say my side of Twitter necessarily, but I would say the side of Twitter where there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who are young at heart. I guess that's one way to say it. People who are very much in the meme culture. You can see there was a penguin just walking by over here on uh, Tux's yeah. screen. So this is a very different environment than uh, the environment that you came from. You, know, you were in the Marines. You were in the Special Forces. You did a lot of things in life that I think a lot of people on the more extremely online side of the internet uh, just read about and fantasize about. But uh, in general, I'd say that you are a very inspiring figure, and I would love to... Uh, First, uh, just to understand what it was that led you to be the man that you are today. I know that's a very broad question, but I might as well throw that out uh, first. I don't know. Well, thank you. That's a, that's really nice of you to say. Um, the man I am today. Well, I I don't know. It's it's a I, I it's a lesson I learned later on. I think I I kind of stumbled my way through life until I was about thirty years old, and then I then I kind of got a handle on things and figured out what I was really passionate about and what I liked doing. And uh, since then, uh, my goal is kind of just to wake up every day and be just a little better man than I was Throw the day before. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I subscribe to the philosophy of 1% better. Uh, and I don't know whether I just incremental improvement every day towards the, you know, towards the vision that you have, towards the person you want to be and the things you want to achieve. And I just try and do that. I try and do it every day. So, uh, and I, you're right. I've done a lot of different stuff. It's, I feel like, you know, it's been about three lifetimes since I was in the service and, and since I worked overseas, but, uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't trade that time for the world. It was, it was incredibly, I don't know, valuable to me just in terms of, of learning who I was and what I wanted. So out of life. So it was, uh, it was a good experience and uh, I don't know the folks on Twitter, I mean, I'm leave, I'm just gonna leave Twitter. I decided yesterday. I'm just. I'm so. I'm so absolutely fed up with the entire. The entire place. It's. It's a cesspool of just. Well, not only. Let's not even. Let's talk about anybody else. Let's talk about myself. I feel like I'm the worst version of myself on that platform, and so, I've just decided I'm gonna get off of it, and just let everybody else debate and and fight and and piss and moan and and do all of that. I just. I don't know. I don't know what value that really brings to the world. So I'm gonna. I'm going to step aside and let everybody else kind of figure that out. Well, before we go any further, uh, I want to ask this to Gio. So, Gio, besides all the mudflinging, what would you say is the oh. value? <laughs> what would you say is the value Wait, to uh, <laughs> being to being on Twitter? Because right now we're talking about self empowerment. We're talking about we're, breaking. Are we, we are live. We are extremely live right now, Gio, and <laughs> we uh, we are talking about breaking. No problem at all. No problem at all. Anyway, we are here to break free of the conditioning that I think a lot of us have been in for a very long amount of time. Uh, you know, I think just watching uh, the computer screen flicker, watching the phone flicker, I think it does something to you. It traps you in this con uh, continuous feedback loop. So 
I would love for Jason to give us uh, some advice and to give the people who are watching advice on how to actually break free of this particular matrix. But I do want to hear what is it for you, Gio, that attracts you other than just the back and forth drama? What is it that you were able oh. to find in, let's say, not the normie landscape, because I agree with Jason when it comes to a lot of the regular back and forth mudfling that goes on Twitter. I think a lot of it is very, very base, not based, not base and red pill, but just very base, very shallow. You see one thing, you've seen vulgar. them all. Yeah, vulgar. You've seen one thing, you've seen them all. But what is it for you, Geo, that attracts you specifically to the uh, side of Twitter that you're in? What do you think people are yearning for that they are finding specifically there? I think, uh, well, I think, like, if you look at the platform itself, it's because, like, microblogging used to be about a stream of consciousness, but now that Twitter has seen fit to clamp down on that, I think... Up until recently, I mean, as much as we rag on Jack, um, he was good to us uh, compared to Zuckerberg Shallow. and all the other tech moguls. But I, I think that yeah. what people find out of Twitter is the ability to have that sort of undifferentiated consciousness, but also like the other things to grift and to uh, build your sort of repertoire. Uh, because Twitter is a challenge in terms of it being primarily driven by thoughts and text rather than like Instagram, which is driven by images or TikTok, which is driven by video it's very much um inherently almost like a normie shredder in that way because it at least until recently it's of course they're trying to change and destroy this but up until recently they've really emphasized on like people that use twitter being the smallest of the giants are like the exclusive sort of people who are immersed in the world of ideas and thoughts, however terrible and disgusting and maybe vulgar they are. But I think that's what people mm. want out of it uh, more than... I know, Jason, was that your impression of uh, being on Twitter? Were you able to get that kind of uh, that kind of energy from it? I don't know. There's, there's always good things. I, I find there, there are... I follow a lot of people who are... I mean, who are real thought leaders, I think, in their space, but it's non it's non-confrontational, or at least it doesn't have to be. It's ideas about where the world is going and about uh, you know how the uh, about uh, you know blockchain technology and and how that's all going to shape the world and decentralized finance. And, and I, I learn a lot from uh, some of the folks on there. I, you know, there's a Jim O'Shan O'Shaughnessy is one of my uh -huh. favorite guys on Twitter. He's like a 60 year old man. And uh, and he has a podcast called Infinite Loops that I just I absolutely love, and uh, he's so there is some there's value there. I don't mean to say that there isn't. I'm just I'm just tired of the back and forth. Maybe I just need to clear out my feed. I did that a while back and knocked off like three or hundred or four hundred people, and maybe I just need to go in there and do that again. Mm. But with with the limited resources of time that i have it just seems like a, like what am i accomplishing by being there you know am i changing a heart or a mind probably not and my time is probably better spent with my own circle of people that actually do want to listen to what i have to say and don't want to just like you know fight with me and i think that's I been think a, like, well th that's yeah. been geo's experience as well being in that platform and since i know you're very much about uh making use of the time we have to sell the products that we have to support ourselves i do think that for some people twitter does end up being that kind of platform but for you it's not so uh, I, I know oh, it's a time sink definitely yeah well you got to balance those two forces out right being able to uh sell uh, the uh, fruits of your labor and at the same time making sure you don't just go down the rabbit hole but uh geo 
I know you had a question, and then I want to go back to Jason. So what, what was your question? Oh, uh, well, not in terms of, I guess, question. I mean, the topic of um, this conversation is, of course, uh, Neats Rise Up. That's why I'm in my cozy uh, nighttime, uh, what do they call it? <laughs> wait, just so, uh, we're, just, just so we're clear, Jason. The cozy. Wait, wait, just so we're clear, Jason, <laughs> yeah. do you know what a neat is? No, I don't have any idea. Geo. Oh, yeah, well, it's sort of like a moniker of uh, identity now, but it means just like a not in, uh, edu- how does it go? Not, not in, in education, uh, employment, employment or training. Or training mm. yeah. So this is a very big thing, especially in Japan and the South Korea, I believe, as well. Uh, it's called, yeah, they have different it, well, it's called hikamori it. in Japan. The basic gist of it is that you have all of these unemployed uh, young men, you know, sometimes older than young men, who don't really see any anywhere that they could go in life where they're going to be able to have a successful career where they're going to be able to have a steady job so they just kind of drop out of society rely on uh, government handouts to a certain extent rely on their parents to an even greater extent and i think that this is a very um this is a very big deal what's going on right now with a lot of young men and i'm curious what your um what your thoughts are on that particular phenomenon that's going on right now and how we can actually get the needs to rise up uh, for real yeah, I, you, you raised an interesting question. It was one I was having with a, a teller as I was going shopping earlier today. And he owns the little store that uh, his family owns the store, and he's working there. And, and he was talking about how frustrating it was getting pe- people to come and work. There's a, there's a shortage of people who will work these kind of like lower-end menial labor jobs that are typically filled by high schoolers or college kids or, you know, poorly educated or, you know, th- that, that, kind of cla- that kind of class of people. I, class may be the wrong term. Maybe it's group of people. And um, I asked him about it because my, my brother-in-law is having the same problem with his businesses. He owns coffee shops and restaurants in California, and he's having a, a hell of a time getting anybody to come and work at him. And I said, where's it coming from? And the guy I talked to today is like, I have no idea. My brother-in-law has no idea. It's like these, these people have to be paying their bills. I just don't know how they're doing it. They're mooching off mom and dad. They're, they can't be living on unemployment anymore. There's not enough of it. And so I don't, I don't know where that comes from. And I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think if you're going to stay home and, and live off the government dole or live off of your parents, you know, once you're beyond the age of, say, I don't know, college, that there's a pretty significant problem there. But if it's some other reason, if they've learned how to downsize their life and now they're living on less and maybe they decided to drop the second income and so they're so a young married couple, uh, maybe they're investing in themselves and they're trying their hand at that entrepreneur thing and they're making enough to offset what they were making at the menial labor job. Well, then all of a sudden, that, 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 that to me, I think, is a positive thing. And the truth is, if you're making thirty, forty thousand year dollars a year in, a, in some sort of low-paying job, in America, you can um, is relatively. It's not that difficult to recoup that doing something for yourself, um, and that's kind of like my wheelhouse and where I come from, and, and and the perspective I take on it is that I don't know whether it's good or bad. It's it because it, it, no one can really tell why it's happening, which is again in and of itself a really odd thing that you can't put your finger on where that what what this problem stems from. Well, this committee and uh, who I'm sure uh, you well you may know uh, Tim Dillon. He uh, had an interesting thing he uh, said regarding this new uh, no work movement where you have a lot of these people who say we're not going to work, 
but uh, it may not be as free as they think, because number one, at a certain point, what are they going to do? But also at a certain point, if you don't work, if you don't make your own income, then you are less independent. You're going to be way more dependent on the government further on if we're talking about some kind of a, you know, the big fear online, especially among the more uh, esoteric uh, internet circles, is the idea of the Great Reset. You know, you have this image of the uh, elderly, wrinkly Klaus Schwab wanting to control the entire world, you know, wanting people to live in pods, eat bugs, you know, this very dystopian this very dystopian energy that people are feeling today and they make a lot of various memes about it. But I do think there may be something true to that because there are some people out there like I think uh, Tux, for example, who is very mm. entrepreneurial. Like You could even see the setup that he has over here. He is an incredible, <laughs> he's an incredible tech wizard and he's also Mormon, which helps, you know, like let's be honest here, you know, that there is something I think about... Um, yeah, very, yeah, they have very... Uh, they network... Uh... Like certain other groups, but yeah, yeah they're very. So so uh, so so when it comes to this kind of networking, I think that is something that's going to be missing for a lot of young people. So eventually, maybe many of them are going to be not only on the government dole, but they're just going to be connected to the VR headset. They're not going to care about developing their body. They're not going to care about getting married because of all the, I mean, Jason, like you yourself know, um, and this is per perfectly up to you as far as like how how much you would want to speak about this particularly, but I've um, re recently heard in um, episodes that you've done that you uh, had a, a divorce and now you are remarried. So you went through all the motions of a lot of the trials and tribulations that uh, men today go through. So what would be your particular advice to this uh, impending danger that uh, these men would see from even taking the first step into into even working in a career because in their mind it may be i work in the career i get married but then you know 50 50 she might leave me and it may not even be because of me it just may be because of i don't know society affecting her in a particular way brainwashing her who knows like that's that's the black pilled mentality that a lot of, a lot of young men have so curious about your thoughts MGTOW yeah. mentality love i think like oh sorry go ahead no go, right. go ahead man I think that like a lot of the this uh, like this things that cause the the MGTOW mentality and like I think in women being a certain way I think it's very regional especially in the U.S. right like I don't think it's universal. Uh, well, some black pillars on like the MGTOW side they say it's universal now, like they say mm -hmm. that. But then again, I mean a lot of those guys are terminally like embittered by mm -hmm. their experience. Well, uh, Jason, yeah. what do you think? Well, I'm the last person who should be giving anybody relationship advice. I've, I say that all the time. So I, I, I'll still steer clear of doing that. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, as far as I don't, I don't know. See, I think the economy is changing so, so fast right now. And the world, I, they say the great reset. I, I tend to think of it like a great transition that we're transitioning. You know, it's, it's like the, a new industrial age, right? That we're coming into a world where banking is not going to look the same and the way we contracting is not going to look the same and work is not going to look the same as it's ever looked. It's, it's, it was like changing from agrarian society to an industrial society. We're, we're making that big of a leap and we're making it in in a matter of years rather than decades and it's going to change everything about how we live and work together and so some guy who's deciding not to get married or get married and he's staying at home and he's got on the vr goggles who knows man i, I you couldn't make you couldn't make money playing video games 10 years ago 20 years ago now you can uh and now they'll pay you to sit and play video games all day 
there are all kinds of, uh, you know, there are all kinds of, there are going to be all kinds of new opportunities that are going to emerge out of this. And I'm, I, I'm, I don't know, I, I would be wary to criticize those who are kind of at that tipping point, meaning they're in their early 20s, their mid 20s, and they're kind of on the cusp of, okay, what do I do? Am I supposed to go get one of these, you know, some of one of these crappy jobs working at the at the grocery store or working at the coffee shop, or do I sit at home, poke around on the computer, mm-hmm. learn some stuff for the next few years while my parents pay the way, and, and and then I find my niche, I find my hole, and I and I figure out what I want to do and I go with it. I, I think one of the problems we have in education and in life today is we ask kids, we ask kids to decide too much stuff too quickly. Absolutely. You got to go to school yeah. at 19. You got to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life at 19. You you know, you drop a hundred grand, 150 grand to learn that thing while you're there. You're supposed to find somebody that you're supposed to love for the rest of your life and get married so that you guys can start a life, buy a house, do all the things they tell you're supposed to do. And you wonder why a guy wakes up at 35 and goes, what the <laughs> f- is it going on? Like I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know who I was at 19. Mm-hmm. Now here I am, 22, two kids, married, a mortgage, $100,000 in, in school debt. Dude, man, th- I, that's a terrible, terrible advice to give to kids. I tell, I'm telling my daughters, don't get married. Don't even think about marriage till you're 35. Wait till you know who you are and had a little life experience. Don't worry about what you're supposed to do. If you don't know what you're supposed to do when you get out of high school, great. Congratulations. You're normal. That's what everybody, nobody knows. You haven't had enough life experience to figure that out. Go on, you know, go on a walkabout. You know, Mormons have it right. They go on mission for two years. One of the best things that you can have a kid do is go do something. Mm-hmm. I remember I ran in, first time I ever ran into Mormons, I was in, I was in Japan, in Tokyo. And I was just, I was in the Marine Corps, obviously, mm-hmm. and I was just housed drunk. And we were there with three or four other guys, and these Mormons walked out, and uh, I was just excited to see Americans. Mm-hmm. And they were just about as straight-laced as you could, as they could be. And after I, after I sobered up, I realized, you know what, that, that, those kids had it right. They didn't just go to college. They went and saw the world. They did something for a little while, got some experience. And then they can decide, man, what the next step is. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too quick to judge these guys just because they're not a- anxious to continue this, the, you know, the, the treadmill that we've all been on for the last uh, yeah. hundred years or so. Well, if I could push back a little Yeah, what's Cy- Cyber think- Ninja Zero's comment right there? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, Jason, yeah. just so you understand the audience we have, we have a, what Break the Rules does is our mission is to put people together who otherwise would never have a chance of speaking to each other, not because they hate each other, but because <laughs> they're, in, they're in completely different worlds. And, for example, Cyber Ninja Zero lives in the Middle East, so he comes from a very traditional uh, Arabian uh, household. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of concerns that a lot of trad-minded people like Gio have as well about, you know, breaking away from all these traditional structures that we used to have. But anyway, Gio, go for it. I think, no, I think the opposite. I think that um, people, like, there are some people that maybe they can afford to do this that are going back to a more traditional arrangement with their parents. I think, like, if people could get married earlier and then focus on their career, like, if, if they could sort of have life experiences to begin with, 
And like, like to me, I fig- figure like the sort of education industrial complex, that's a real big reason why people are sort of dropping out or having kids less, why women in particular have kids less nowadays, because it's like, by the time you get to have a career, you're like in your thirties, right? If you go through like from undergrad to master's to PhD and, or to like in the world of business, I feel like the sort of eternal wagey cagey is like, that's probably the reason why a lot of more traditional social arrangements are breaking down. I I think the problem is like, it's people are focused on experience, obviously, but it's almost as if we've gotten caught in a very like hedonic mindset. And like what you were saying, Jason, uh, I agree with in part because I feel like if we can restructure the way that we even approach a living or a sort of, um, means of subsistence like that's probably what's going to have to happen not so much what we want to happen but if we were to sort of be comfortable with less but not not in the way of like the you know klaus schwab you're gonna live in a pod eat the bugs i think just naturally there's going to be a contraction in our lifestyles um with retaining certain features of an advanced modernity but it's like there's just so many contradictions to the way we live nowadays. It's just, I, I don't see it happening without some sort of, not great reset, but certainly a contraction at least, um, you know? So I um, think, yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say, no, no, go um, ahead. just, I, I mean, I don't know if this is good advice for everyone, but for me, what, uh, you know, I kind of did personally. So kind of happened by accident. So what happened is I started going to uh, school uh, as a 19 year old uh, youth right? Uh, 19 year old, I would say that's almost still a youth, right? I was uh, very stupid. And um, I went to, um, I almost picked the right major, I think, for me. Um, I was studying computer science. I went to BYU, Idaho, uh, which is a a church school. Um, But uh, unfortunately, I was young and dumb, and I couldn't abide by their rules. So I got sent away for a Mm -hmm. year. And um, I decided um, I wasn't quite ready. I didn't feel like coming back uh, after my year was up. So I, I actually spent some time working in the industry um like doing various like web you know back-end jobs doing uh various like uh i did web i've done web back-end i've done devops i've done uh, i've done a lot of stuff sysadmin uh, a little bit of computer engineering um but now i finally that i kind of have the experience i'm like okay now i actually want to get my degree <laughs> i don't know so i'm, I'm 26 right now and i'm i'm, I'm looking to, to actually go back I don't know, that may be completely off the rails. <laughs> no, I think it's uh, definitely related. And uh, Jason, I'm curious, uh, uh, specifically with uh, what Gio said, if um, you would have any uh, particular reply to that. Well, no, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said. I think what he's saying is, is it's complex and that things are changing quickly. And some of those changes mm-hmm. are going to be really positive and some of them are not. And it's going to be messy. And, and um, I don't know. I You either have you either have faith in humanity and that we find our way eventually, or you think that this whole thing's going to burn down. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was never bet on the end of the world because it only happens once. And if it does, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, right. So I, I tend to try and be optimistic and look at all the good things that could come out of all the change that we're seeing. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with you either that I think there is, some of the breakdown in in the traditions that we've had is is sad to see. Uh, some of it might even be dangerous as a culture. Uh, but I I just again understanding that I don't control any of those things. I only control my own life. Um, I, I've just chosen to try and look optimistically at the future. 
And I really uh, do admire the approach that you're taking where you do focus on the immediate things that you are able to help with, not so much which politician can we get elected. I find myself to be stuck yeah. between your point of view and uh, Styx Hex and Hammer 666's point of view, who is also a frequent guest on our show. And uh, he is also very uh, anti-black pill. He's very positive-minded, and he believes that there are going to be people coming in who are going to be more focused on uh, populism. And yes, like I completely uh, agree with the things you're talking about with Trump and the debt and all that. I would be curious what Sticks would think of that. But in general, just the idea of something like, I don't know, something like the moms going to the uh, school uh, conference uh, rooms and starting to, uh, st starting to get a little bit red-pilled about the whole critical race theory that's going on there where there is a bit of pushback now from uh, adults as far as what exactly is going on with their kids in these various indoctrination centers. So I do see positivity from a political point of view, too, that maybe if enough people get uh, woke in a different way, then there could be certain changes happening there. I'm not ready to give up on that yet. But if, let's say, worse comes to worse and whatever we're seeing right now is just going to get accelerated, for example, there is a very interesting uh, stream that I saw with uh, this gentleman named Tommy Sotomayor. I don't know if you are... Oh, God! Yes! No, no, no. no. Uh, are, do, are you... Um... Yes, yes, he shall. Uh, but uh, Jason, are you, are you acquainted with uh, Tommy Sotomayor? No. Okay, so to okay, oh, so Tommy Sotomayor, he is a um, he's a black men's rights activist, I guess you could say. He's a conservative, and he had a um, what do you call it on Twitter? It's a Twitter space. Twitter space. Yes, he had it. It was the largest Twitter space, um, talking about certain hot button issues of identity. Yes. And uh, but uh, it was quite it was uh, quite spicy. But what ended up <laughs> happening was uh, towards the end, there was this British woman who came on and she told him how uh, worried she was of even coming on because she knew that she was not only going to get DMs, but she is afraid of talking about a lot of these things in uh, public. And I think that there is this um, this uh, chilling effect that's happened you know, for a long time now. I'm sure you're not a stranger to it, too, where you have all people who you know, behind the scenes, they would agree with whatever it is you're talking about, but in public, they cannot say it. And as far as uh, I go, my family and me too, like I was born in um, the USSR. And uh, I'm very much concerned about things going in that direction, where what is the point at which the frog starts to boil here? Can we say it's now? Can we say it's going to be somewhere later? And what exactly can be done here, uh, short of just going full either going full mormon or going full mennonite because i know that you talked a lot about uh having these having these uh s separate uh movements uh to uh be away from a lot of the way the government works but in the short term what are some of your predictions here like do you think it is going to get worse do you think there's going to be a uh, uh pushback like i'm hopefully uh been talking about here can i add something sure for, for, really quick so sorry no problem <laughs> go for it uh I was just gonna say, um, being I, um, I think making yourself anti-fragile and like getting away from the um, being an employee like Wagey on the plantation and moving to like doing more entrepreneurial things or working with people at smaller companies uh, will kind of isolate you from a lot of this. Like, um, that's one of the things I think I'm gonna try to do work going forward. It's scary because you know there's a ton of risk, but I think that once you get in a certain point, like you can kind of be not completely insulated. Um, but someone insulated. As long as they don't, the payment processors don't cancel you, you're good. But 
yeah, yeah. the banks that's probably yeah. the next move so, yeah sorry jason go ahead no no you're you're fine I, I i agree with what you said i think that's the that's the number one thing that anybody can do is work to uh, control more of their outcomes and more of their time i think if you if you're if you want the it's your question i think there is pushback against the mandates there are challenges in the courts right now for uh the the doctors and nursing staff and hospitals federal judges just overturned that they've they've been overturning it uh, the mandates on that stuff and i think that'll continue uh, about half the population still is unvaccinated and i don't that's that in and of itself is proof enough that some people are just adamantly refusing uh, i know that there are a lot of people who are worried because their bosses are telling them they need to get vaxxed or they're in a they're in a government job where it's being mandated on them that they get vaccinated and, and in that one instance uh easiest way to overcome that is to not work for them and again, this is why I spend so much time harping on controlling your income and 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 making yourself self-sufficient. I it's it's not it, that's the truest and fastest path to what you want. It's not a hundred percent guaranteed. The government still may come in and clamp down on you, but the more of your life, the more of your income that you control, and arguably the more mobile that income is, uh, the safer you're going to be and the more insulated you're going to be. So if you don't want your kids getting vaccinated, don't send them to public school. Well, I can't afford to send them to private school. Okay, homeschool them. Oh, I can't afford to send them to homeschool them because everybody's got to go work so they can make the money because inflation's going through the roof. All right, buddy, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, what's yep. your what's the answer then? We're gonna get our rifles. We're gonna go storm the Capitol. Is that what is that the plan? <laughs> We're gonna get. Uh -oh. get well, actually, can we? Uh, we have to avoid Fed yes. posting on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. This was in Minecraft. I would like to clarify. Yes, exactly. Yeah. About in in Minecraft, a very beautiful construction in, in Roblox. of uh, yeah. Also, we try not to say the V word. Yeah. We try to say the sacraments um, and yeah, sacraments a good word. For All right. Well, but, you, um, see, and here's the here's the other problem. Is like you guys, you guys, I, I don't I don't mince any of my words. I say whatever I want. Because there's nobody. What are you gonna do? You gonna silence me? I own all the verticals. Yeah, we put it on YouTube. Yeah, they want to close down my yeah. YouTube. Let them. Well, I mean, we're we're, we're <laughs> still not. <laughs> we're so small. We haven't got off the ground yet. We're gonna get crushed. Um, so, no, I get what you're saying. Like for example, I mean, in my just today, actually, it came into effect. This is why I've been just my my head has been just a wash recently. In my country up north here. Um, <laughs> We in Canada, we uh, I can't. I'm a prisoner in my own country because I already had the, uh, the uh, let's call it the 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 what, the Backstreet the, Boys World Chinese Tour Chinese imported okay. delicacy. Okay. Yeah, yes. the Backstreet Boys World. That was the Game Grumps one. Um, no, I already had it uh, around this time last year, and uh, statistically, I have a more robust immunity against it. Um, but no, but my country does not recognize that because they are uh, run. We are run by hysterical ghouls. And I'm literally a prisoner in my own country. I cannot travel outside of the Canadian border without the sacrament. And so every society in human history, when you really think of it, had a right to exile. But so that the question is, how are people? Yeah, well, the USSR to... and OK, not only the USSR, but imperial imperialist Russia, Pushkin was such a lover of uh, France there was nothing Pushkin yeah. wanted to do, the poet Pushkin. There was nothing he wanted to do more than to travel to France. He was not allowed to travel to France by the <laughs> czar. Yeah. That's uh. Well, no, yeah. I, even in the USSR, you had um, 
you could go to the provinces and like they sort of could hide depending on the administration like near brezhnev's time it's like you could go to the provinces and they'd kind of leave you alone yeah. more but but still you know like in every society they've always had like so if you're someone who is younger who doesn't uh, buy into the social conditioning how can you sort of um deal with the fact that you're barred from travel and from commerce and it's remember remember cannot buy or sell the mark of the beast so um yeah how that's just one that's a level of when people talk about things like the great reset it's like we're already here like you're talking about this fanciful shit about eating the bugs and and going into the pod cities and you know living in a, a concrete uh, silo container but it's like when you really think of the sort of decimation of the purchasing power of the average dollar i mean we're already kind of there you don't have to worry about eating bug protein when you can't buy good produce to begin with and half the produce in the grocery stores are shit so <laughs> you know sorry i'm just ranting no, but I but I am curious as far as the uh, the uh, young people in Canada like Geo, uh, what 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 would be <laughs> yeah. the way that they can uh, Hello, they, that they can escape this uh, this particular uh, predicament at the moment? Oh, I I don't have an answer for that. Government's locked you all down; they won't <laughs> let you leave. You can get you can you can get it, or you can you're you're stuck. Yeah, I don't. I we, we got to smuggle. Again, we got to smuggle Geo out. I, I, I you're welcome that, in my knee cave. I think the expectation is that there is a that there's a perfect solution and there just isn't. We're mm -hmm. living through something. Um, it's it's really ugly uh, with a lot of a lot of bright, shining possibilities in the future. Uh, we're in if you if you trust, you know, if you've read the fourth turning and you understand kind of where we're at in oh, history yeah. and you've read the old Hindu text, you understand that this was predicted we're exactly where a lot of a lot of very intelligent people thought we would be at this at this point in history and that this is going to pass that we will come through this and the question is how much pain how much struggle how how much uh, uh oppression do we have to live under while we're moving through this and my only concern is what's going to provide me the greatest amount of opportunity and um, the greatest amount of insulation and protection against all the downside risk that we see and all the violence and all of the oppression. And I've found that, again, the stuff that I talk about on the show all the time is what creates the most amount of freedom for the most amount of people. And so that's what I choose to focus on. But you're right, man. You're, you're, in, a, you're in a pickle up there. I know a lot of you guys, I mean, look at the people in Australia quarantined. Like oh, they're going to stick them in an internment camp, right? Now, oh, but sure, they get they... to sunbathe though in bikinis, <laughs> according to Claire Lehman from Quillet. Well, it's, it's good, so that, funny. actually. <laughs> it's like so they have swimming pools and theaters. That yeah. started going. That started going around, and I'm like, yeah. There's also pictures of Japanese playing baseball uh, in their internment camps in the yeah. U.S. Like, does that make it right mm. that oh, they, they're 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 relaxing and having a good time? Well, you know? well uh, speaking of internment camps, since you did mention the fourth turning and the the Kali Yuga and all that. The other yeah, no one talks about the Tofflers yeah. anymore for some reason. Well, the, uh, That's a blast from the well, past. Well, the, uh, the other part of the cycle then is going to be uh, after the weak men create uh, bad times, you know, strong men create good times. But when it comes to the strong <laughs> men specifically, if we're talking about here, a lot of the things that a lot of, again, young people on Twitter uh, of the more esoteric mindset are leaning on is that there would be some kind of a uh, god emperor that would come out, some kind of a, a Marcus Aurelius or some kind of an Augustus Caesar that would come in and they would set things right. 
my perspective, and I'm sure all the people here on BTR chat are already sick to death of me talking about it, but my perspective is, you know, be very careful what you wish for because it may come true. Because if you are talking about mm -hmm. having somebody with those abilities in a modern, you know, in an interconnected landscape here, there's no telling what that amount of power is going to result in as far as if you do have some kind of a top-down hierarchical structure, not in medieval times, you know, not in, um, you know, not 300 years ago, but today. My concern is that it's going to be very reminiscent of what happened in the uh, middle of the uh, 20th century. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, like what the possibilities are for something like that to even happen and uh, whether the worst uh, case scenario may come about from this uh, dictatorship as a result of all this rabid leftism that people are seeing right now that they're reacting towards. Well, I, I wouldn't. Here's the thing. When you beat a man down and you take away his hope and you take away his power and you take away his ability to perform basic functions like provide for his family and he's got nothing left, his natural inclination is to go out looking for a savior. Yeah, that we everybody wants a savior. I, I, there's a famous quote that says we're all walking around with our umbilical cords hanging out, looking for some place to plug them in. Like we all want to relinquish decision making control to somebody else. We just want to do it to somebody that we love and and, and trust. So they're in almost I know, and that's a that's a really hard thing for a lot of like you know freedom loving people to hear. But it is the it's the God's truth. We all do it. We would prefer that somebody else make the decisions, that somebody else decide, because it's it's a, I mean it's a lot to have to make all your own decisions and be responsible for yourself 100% of the time. And so, based on that, it's not surprising that these young kids feel like the American dream is gone. They look around and they see no real opportunity for them. They see a world that's at war, been at war for two decades. They see it negative, negative, negative. They were promised the world, by the way, when they went to school. Get a good anything. grades, go By to the college, boomers. it'll all be great, and and it didn't materialize for them. So I'm not surprised they're all sitting around looking for a Marcus Aurelius. Now, the question is, would that be bad? I mean, Marcus Aurelius, he, was a, he spent most of his life fighting off his enemies, expanding his empire, uh, but there was a lot of good that happened to the empire at that point. It wasn't until he died... And his predecessors, predecessors took over and destroyed the republic that you actually had a problem. If you want to have a conversation about whether monarchy is superior to democracy, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably, is, probably one for another another day. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think we're moving. I think we're moving into some sort of a, a really a different form of government. You know, I, I think with smart contracts and some of the other things that you're seeing now, there's no reason that you wouldn't be able to proxy your vote to anyone. So right now we have elected officials who go to Congress and they make in the House and they make decisions for the Senate and make decisions for us, right? Well, we're getting real close to where with blockchain technology, I can have an app on my phone and I can literally either vote on every single bill that comes before the floor or proxy my vote to anyone else, literally anyone. Therefore, we don't need 400 people in Congress. We could have 400,000 people um, or uh, something along those lines who, who all sit around and are proxies for or who provide uh, or who vote for themselves in these individual elections. I mean, it, it really opens up a lot of different op a lot of different options for the future. And again, I try to look at the optimistic side of that and say, look, some really good things could come out of this. I would rather give my vote to somebody that I trust who I align with 
rather than getting stuck with whoever the, the you know holding my nose and voting for whoever the the better of two evils is. I'm just thinking when you said that, I'm just thinking tyranny of the majority, which may be the wrong way of thinking about mm. this. But if we get well, but that's kind of what we have now, isn't it? We yeah, have, we we have, have a representative that. government. Right. Look at look at what happened in the last election. There's no way that Joe Biden would have been the nominee if the Democratic Party had not you know, hadn't screwed their own elections, right? They had everybody drop out at the same time. This The cycle before that, it was Bernie Sanders. You know, Bernie Sanders was going to give her a run and they screwed him, right? They screw their own parties to make sure and their own people to make sure that the right people get elected. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of it that I don't even like talking about it anymore because I can't change it. And so there's no reason to focus on. Well, as far as the things that uh, can be changed, I really do like this idea that you had of uh, people banding together, even if they may initially not be living in the same place, trying to work out. Maybe there is a place that we can buy. Maybe there is a place that we could settle like Joe Rogan. I know love talking about a lot of that stuff. Maybe he's kind of doing it right now in Texas. But uh, what I've always wondered about with that kind of society is, I believe in general that there's always going to be a hierarchy of, uh, you know, you're going to have people, you're always going to have people who are going to have to do more manual labor who may not be as, I don't know if intelligent is the right word here, but they not be may not be as suited for a certain work that would require, let's say, more expertise, so they may do simpler things. And this may be a very simple version of saying this, but when you have a lot of people who are within that, uh, you know, that area they may start to think like, you know, maybe we should get paid even more and maybe we're going to vote for this very enigmatic person who says, I represent the people. And even in a small enough situation, which may grow uh, even more, all of a sudden they're going to start enacting something closer to a socialistic model because there's more of them than there is the, uh, you know, the other people in the hierarchy. So that's always a question that comes to me when it comes to how do these uh, societies that may start out small how do we prevent them from going through, prevent as much as we can from going through the same motions that we've seen in Russia and that we've seen in other places? Well, I don't think you can. There's nothing wrong with socialism as long as it's voluntary, right? There's nothing wrong with people coming together and saying, hey, we're all going to pool our money and we're going to provide for each everybody and everybody's going to get a fair share. And that's the way we're going to run our little community. There are there are communities out there that do exist like that. And there's a Jewish community that does. Some of you guys may know better than me. And it's essentially you come in and when you come in, you're part of the community. If you want to leave, you leave. And so I don't have an issue with socialism under under those constraints. And I think that what they're talking about when you talk about crowdfunding land or you know, what we would consider like decentralized autonomous organizations, this kind of new concept of of how businesses might be constructed, uh, it's real simple. If you don't like the way things are going, you sell your you sell your coins, you sell your shares in the pool, and you leave. Um, and you, if, if you if you do well and and everything and the votes go well and you're right, and you make good decisions, then the value of your shares in the community go up. And if they start to go down, and you're like, listen, I don't want to be part of a community who's doing this. Sell your shares to somebody else. There's always some other idiot out there who's willing to buy because he thinks socialism is the next, you know, communism is the next uh, big thing. Uh, the, we, these things don't die. Somebody online was talking to me. He's like, capitalism is going to die. Like, no, these things don't <laughs> die. They, 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 they fail. They can fail over no. and over again, but they, they don't die. You know, they just keep getting retreaded over and over again. So the idea that capitalism will die is stupid. 
what will likely happen is it will morph into something new based on the new technology and the new opportunities that present themselves. Yeah, I think so, Zizek was right when he said that um, people can envision like the sun exploding in a billion years before they can envision the death of capitalism. But I think like as uh, this came up recently, speaking of Twitter spaces, um, this came up recently in um, my fr our friend Joel Davis was doing the space on how the political right can sort of maneuver itself. The problem is that a lot of people have the idea that like, if we elect another like even based more competent version of Donald Trump, then uh, it'll, it could work. But the problem is like the right wing can win elections in the West, but the, unfortunately um, they have like, for example, the Republicans, they'll like never do anything honestly because they're beholden to other you know interests right um the problem is when you there's a lack of thinking when it comes to institutions themselves that's what joel davis was saying our, our good friend um the pro so it's like when you're not thinking systematically when you're thinking of in terms of either like it's true we have to create alternatives whether side of the political spectrum you are that are if you're disenfranchised by the current regime right current like let's call a global neoliberal regime the, the problem is like unfortunately when it comes to alternative institutions um the existing power structures will view you as a mystastic am i saying that right metastic mystastic cancer um and they will promptly deal they will like sort of david koresh waco you if you want to have your based in red pilled uh you know, what did Peter Thiel want to do? Like the water world, like yeah. seasteading because it's an international well, that, water. That is, a, that is the one uh, yeah. the one big argument. I do agree with Jason. Like water I world, do agree with Jason but, uh, about uh, <laughs> that. what you propose right now with uh, voting in that way would enable people to just exit out of a system that they don't want to be a part of if it's done on a small enough scale. But when it, but but wait, when it, but think... when it does come to what Gio just talked about right now yeah. with the Waco thing, uh, what would be certain ways that people have thought about avoiding something like that from happening oh i don't have any idea i haven't really thought about it that far these are just ideas like i don't i don't mm. i don't claim that any one of them is good or bad i'm just mm. i'm just saying see there was a time in in the world when socialism was a brand new idea and when you think about it this was a time when economics itself was a, a relatively new science if you can even refer to economics as a science but it, during that period, we didn't know much about how systems worked. And so what what Marx and Engels came out and, and said was, well, you know what? There's there's fluff built into the capitalist system called profit. And so if we just get rid of the profit, then everything will run a lot smoother and it'll be a lot <laughs> cheaper, right? Well, that that's that's not an illogical argument to make back then. And so it was reasonable to say, okay, let's test this idea. Now, to make the same argument today would make you an utter buffoon because it's idiotic to think that you would. this system has failed every time it's been tried and not like on a small scale, like 20 million mm. dead starving. Although, although still much respect to Ben Burgess for going to Renegade University, as I heard on your uh, podcast episode with Thaddeus <laughs> yeah. Russell. So, and, and you know what? And my, oh. point, my point is there was a time when it seemed reasonable and only later did we find out it was not. And so I look at all of the new ideas and that, that are out there and there are a lot of them with the new technology coming. And I say, I choose just simply to say, well, this is the way it might work. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying this is an interesting idea that I think we should test. 
I, what I loved about America early on, long before I was here, is that we had incubators. We had 50 little incubators that said, hey, you go out, you all test stuff. You want to have high taxes and, you know, and, and high regulation. You do that. You want to have no taxes and, and everybody kind of fend for themselves. You try that too. Let's just see what happens and let the winners win. And we don't have enough of that in, in, in government and in politics and in policy anymore. And one of the things that's really exciting about all the new technology is it is kind of like the Wild West. There are a thousand different projects going on, a thousand different nuanced aspects of what we're, what's being built. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it and what utility we can get from it. What's a, I think, um, no, I think like a, the second part of what I was going to say is um, when it comes to like the alternative institutions versus taking over existing ones, obviously like you couldn't take um, over completely like the security state or whatever. But a good example, I think, would be if you were to have a group of people, a group of especially men who were capable, but could also rally around each other and maybe take some positions within certain apparatuses of power. And uh, Tux, Tux, you're going to love this one. Yeah. The Mormons are the best example of this in America. Oh, yeah. If you look at Mormon history around why they, you know why they expanded out to Arizona? Is because well, they had Utah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Utah. But they then expanded to Arizona after that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The reason they did expand to Arizona is because they faced uh, incredible persecution by both the um, indigenous groups at the time in certain settlements, but also the American government. I believe wanted to get rid of them, if you know what I mean. Um, so they, what they did over like literally decades, they had this plan, this almost messianism to create their own homeland in Utah. Um, so what they did is they ingratiated themselves within certain elements of the American security state. There's like a lot of Mormons that work for the CIA and the FBI. And of course, back in the day, it was the OSS, right? So the Mormons, they decided, and even way before that, they were working within positions of government, both local and then later federally. So the Mormons are kind of like the best example of like, um, people that have like a, a lot of like traditional religious values but the american state the sort of leviathan they can't really mess with them very easily because there are certain mormon interests within the government itself mm. i think that's probably like the model that you would have to adopt if you were a true dissident whether on the political left or the right i mean you know what I, like i think that's probably well may, maybe that means that there example. are people out there who have thought about that maybe 10 years ago and we're just not seeing the effects yet but maybe 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 i mean, I mean well apparently Solbra wants to create his own uh community yeah. now, i mean you know, one, one of the things that i do <laughs> wish if there, if there was one uh, one thing from this uh, live stream that i would like to pass on as far as something potential to think about is to have gatherings where people could think of how can we build these communities to make sure that something like a Waco is not going to happen. That seems to be, at least right now for me, like the top of the list of uh, concerns because that was a realistic uh, event that occurred. But uh, I want to get back to the question of uh, liberalism because I think that a lot of people just see liberalism in general as being a, uh, I don't, I still consider myself to be a liberal, but a lot of people see it online as a failed project, as something that leads to uh, the um, rabid uh, totalitarian uh, uh, leftism that we're currently living under today in certain respects and they see it as a failed project. So, uh, Jason, how would you define liberalism and which aspects of liberalism do you think would be able to be uh, preserved? 
Are you talking about classical liberals or, I'm, or okay, liberalism okay. How it's I, understood today? Okay, not how it's understood by the left, how it would be understood closer to classical liberalism. So, for example, mm -hmm. I don't know, like human rights, um, you know, checks to power, basically things that you can think of, things that would prevent another USSR from uh, occurring in the United States. That's how I would define liberalism, something that I see as preventing well, nothing, that. Nothing can, nothing can prevent it. There are, there are principles inside of any, any ideology um, that, that drive the decisions. So, I mean, my, my, I mean, classical liberalism would, would basically be, uh, you know, don't mess, don't bother me, I won't bother you. Uh, don't hurt people don't take their stuff is kind of a classical classical liberal or libertarian position and um you know uh, treat others with respect I, th those are i think that i think those are things that everybody can agree on yeah, i don't care who you are if i say hey we, we shouldn't we shouldn't aggress against our neighbor we should and we shouldn't force them to do stuff and we shouldn't hurt them um a hundred out of a hundred people will say that or at least any any normal human being would say that uh now what that means in terms of how you construct policy and and, and how you how you conduct and organize a community and, and a nation um you know is very different so i don't i mean i don't know i i, listen, I spent years talking about the philosophy behind different ideologies and, and, and different, uh, different forms of government and organization. And to, to me, I don't, that, that world is not very much fun. It's not very, it's not very entertaining because it's all philosophical. And the truth is the, the, the nuance, the real difference is in understanding human behavior. If you don't understand human behavior, well, then anarcho-capitalism works just fine. And so does socialism. I mean, these are these are two diametrically opposed ideas that I think are are complete are both just as unlikely to succeed in reality. I think the best thing that you can do is to is to bring people up to understand that nobody owes you anything. You don't have a right to somebody else's stuff and that there ought to be a way to seek a redress of grievance if you feel you've been wronged. And there should be a process for that that isn't time consuming or costly. But, you know, over time. Things just our, our legal system didn't start out the way it, it is today. You know, it, be, it became that way when lawyers feel realized that they could, you know, ensure themselves a job. So I don't know. You get a slow decline of societies. Nations rise and they fall. Uh, I don't think that any one system or one ideology can prevent it. Well, I can give you. you think that, yes. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Do you think that setting up uh, systems that, uh, you know, that maybe have like certain. Obviously, like like certain uh, constitutional freedoms or uh, certain like balances that can at least put roadblocks in the way to block certain revolutionary forces from just completely ruining everything. Sure, but what's a, what's a constitution other than a piece of paper that somebody wrote some stuff on? That's it. That's true. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it could be you could trample on that all day. You know how many how many violations our government makes on a daily basis of you know Fourth Amendment alone? It's like the, yeah. the the Constitution means nothing if people aren't going to enforce it. Well, I guess it's a question so, of yeah, yo, yes. Uh, so I, to answer your question directly, sure, it, it might work for a period of time. It might work for a long time. Is it likely to work forever? No. 
Well, then I think it's a question yeah. of uh, you have yeah. this you have this document which you're right it's uh, not you know just a piece of paper but it's still something mm -hmm. that's been normalized enough so that in the minds of people they agree they agree with this idea that you know we're going to have you know some people are going to have a difference of opinion and we should respect that but obviously that's been pushed a lot with people who feel like they can just trample on people who it's perfectly fine to criticize and do whatever with while they get to be the protected class. I think we're seeing a lot of that mm -hmm. too. But uh, when it does come to preventing, you know, like this is going to be very hyperbolic. So again, uh, pardon the <clears throat> hyperbolicity of it. But as somebody, again, who came from the USSR, who is also uh, half Jewish from my mom's side, you know, having all those stories about, uh, you know, the things, the pogroms that happened in uh, Russia. And there is, I would say, a very high amount of anti-Jewish uh, feeling within a lot of these internet circles because they look for a scapegoat. They look at uh, Jewish people. Wow. They put the finger on them. And and I do think that they wholeheartedly Whoa. imagine that if they were to, you know, just press a button and just like get rid of this particular group, then all the problems would go away. That that would be kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a big issue for me because in general, my whole approach is if you can be at a certain, uh, I'm not going to say the word level because people hate when I say the word level, but when you get to be at a certain uh, level. level of civilization, you know, I'm not going to say culture, a certain level of civilization, because I think there are different cultures, but there is like one civilizational standard. When you treat your kids, you know, when you raise them the same way as your neighbors do, then I think you're welcome to take part in that particular civilization. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you come from. That, for me, is the important thing. My concern is that I think people just fall back on all this other stuff, all this tribal BS that has to do with where you come from, and they don't exactly look at what exactly you bring to the table. And I do see that as being a very realistic thing that a lot of reactionaries are going to fall back on in how they see us solving the problem. So I know that this is definitely not something that could be just like answered like that, but any thoughts that you have on the matter will uh, definitely be appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the situation you just described with Russians who have great animosity towards the Jewish community is true of of every single group, including your own, including my own, is that it's if, if you're conservative, it's the evil Democrats that are destroying this country. And if you're a Democrat, it's the evil conservatives. And if you're a libertarian, then it's the you know, it's the alt right. And, you know, every single person, everybody's looking for a scapegoat. Everybody wants somebody to blame. And so if things are not going well, and you align yourself with a group because you feel powerless, the very first thing that group is going to do is going to find an enemy for you. And an enemy creates cohesion in the group. It gives everybody something to point at. It gives everybody a, a group to feel superior to. And the only question that remains is, at, to what length will we go to to get rid of the other side that's doing this damage? Do we defeat them in an election? Do we put them in a gulag? What are we going to do? To what extent? And that largely has to do with how much hate and how much damage you can, you can suggest the other side is doing. After 9-11, we went and uh, killed a million civilians in Iraq. Okay, A million of them. Nobody batted an eye. Everybody's okay with that. Why? Because they're threatening American liberty and they're killing Americans and there is nothing that is too, there's no length that's too far. We're going to blow up busloads full of school kids, done. 
right? We'll do whatever it takes. So there is a measure, there is a line for every group of people. And the, the further that the, the people who run those groups, who control those factions, the more hatred and the more severe and dire the situation they can create, the, the greater the length you'll go to. I know, Gio, if you have any thoughts that you would want to add there. No, it's true. I mean, I think, well, um, what, on the specific groups, Lev? No, I'm not going to fed post. Um, no, but I think that it, a lot of people, they still, like, have uh, faith in certain institutions. But I think it's, like, especially the military in America, because it's sort of like a mythological thing. But if you look Protect at, our like, troops. Yeah, protected. But if you look at like any like, if you look at Mill Twitter, it's like an absolute disaster. Like they are just as like um, taken taken over by the political left and by like sort of the Washington mm. like uh, people that went to West. Well, well I do want to quickly ask Jason. Uh, you know, I, I know Jason, since no. you're since you were in the military, do you notice this kind of trend that Geo's speaking about? Oh yeah, there you yeah. I mean, I, I which one on on Twitter specifically? I don't follow anybody on military people on Twitter. It's good that you don't. You'd be <laughs> very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. Well, like, I mean, you have those people that are, like, you know, the mouthpieces. Who's that one guy, Lev um, Lippincott? He, like, trolls a lot of them. Like, these uh, oh, yeah. people, like that Vinman guy who, like, defied orders mm. and people thought he was a hero. Um, it, I think, like, the problem is, like, when you actually look at it, the incentives for the average police officer or a uh, member of the american military the national guard i mean if things like really get bad if they really tried to clamp down on people i hate to say it but uh i don't have a lot of i mean you will have probably huge segments of the military that certainly will probably resist but i just i i don't um i i see the way things are in the sort of these particularly anglosphere countries whether it's um britain australia canada america it's like there tends to be an idea of civil order that prevents anyone from really when rubber meets the, when rubber meets the road sort of defying the expectations of the state to like do whatever is asked of them and i think like if they were to sort of go to people and enforce these lockdowns or whatnot through you know from the barrel of a gun i you will have resistance but i i don't i i think the resistance will probably be um vastly overstated to what you know people that are fed posting on 4chan or twitter well, think. i don't i don't know how much uh, jason you would be able to speak something like this i mean obviously out of all of us here you have the most experience just dealing with people who are within the military just talking to them uh, being a part of it obviously so uh i'm curious if you have any thoughts on this particular matter of uh when push comes to shove which i hope it never will when things do get as tyrannical as possible what uh, would be uh, the um, you know the uh, engagement that a lot of people who were former military who are in the military right now do you have any possible predictions as to uh, which way the wind would blow as far as uh, what they're going to do? It depends on who they send. I, I, and I don't, I don't, I'm not suggesting that it would happen. I, I think that that's very unlikely. But let, let's assume that something like that did, and they actually called in the military, which again would be a violation of our constitution to put u.s troops on military soil because you know you can use the if you use the national guard you get a lot of resistance and uh, you mm. probably get a lot of resistance from from real from and i don't mean this in the negative way but there's a big difference between a a, a battalion of marines and a battalion of of uh a, you know national guardmen 
Um, you, the national guard shows up and there'll be some guys with guns in, in West Texas that won't be having that. And, and then we that <laughs> maybe had too many donuts. Yeah. If you, uh, if you, if you, if they send in the Marines, if they send in, you know, a real fighting force, those, those people are just killers, man. That's what they do. That's what they train all day for. Um, and, and you know, whether, whether they'll walk off out of the military or not, I don't have any idea. I, I would hope so. But I guarantee you, the ones who fight be savage, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's something. If you've never been in a war, that's something you don't want to see in your hometown. All these people out there, I love. I love all these door warriors out there who all, who talk all this trash about how tough they are, about how they're not going to stand for it anymore, and it's time for America to rise up. Three percent are bullshit. These guys are these guys are weak. They're cowardly people, um, and the reason I know it is because they haven't done anything already. If they were going to do it. They'd have done it a long time ago. What they like is to talk about doing it. And the truth is, when push comes to shove, they'll fold like a cheap suit. But do you think that um, people I, I knew I had a friend actually. Oh, I should mention this. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't mention this um, because you probably know because um, it was big news a while last year, two years ago. Uh, he was a full fledged Marine. He was in the combat force. He was. um I believe he was ex- uh, not explosives. He was, um, he had like the lod, right? That was his job. Um, and he, uh, he went through everything. He was a full decorated Marine. Uh, but then they basically like, they kind of kicked him out dishonorable discharge for uh, edge posting. Um, and he'll say no more. Um, but I wonder if people within the Marine Corps in particular, if they're the ones that would probably, if in some like fantastical situation, not saying this will ever happen, if they were like given the orders to severely oppress the American people, I think maybe they would be the ones to sort of like walk off or say, this is ridiculous because am I wrong in saying that a lot of these like hyper political people on particularly on the left, you see in like mill Twitter, a military Twitter, um, like nine times out of 10, they're probably like, um, What's the derogatory term for it? Pogues, right? Yeah, People... pogues. Yeah. yeah well, here's, here's, what you gotta, here's what you got to think. Of. Here, think about this, though. When I was in the Marine Corps, um, they were, they had, the anthrax was a big thing back then. Yeah. And so yeah. they decided that they had, they thought they had this, like, thing that would help, you know, help you know, build resistance to anthrax. And they wanted to shoot you full of dead anthrax. Yeah. And so they lined everybody up in my in my platoon and they said, here's what's going to happen. All of you guys are going to get injected with this anthrax. We're going to see how it works. And there are a bunch of people, a small group of people, maybe maybe 10 or 20 of the people in the in the unit who decided that they were going to object and they weren't going to get the shot. Uh, they were promptly brought before the company commander and in, and informed that they would either get the shot or they would go to Leavenworth. They would send oh, them to prison. Okay. Everybody got the shot. Not a single guy said no. So now you take this same kid. Remember, these are kids. These, these are not 30, 40 year old men. Like you see on TV, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Average, average rank in the Marine Corps is Lance Corporal. That means that kid's like 18, 19 years old. Right. And what's he thinking? He's thinking, well, vaccine works. I got the vaccine. I'm fine. These people don't want to take the vaccine, and now they're fighting, and we got to come in. They're sending in the military because these people are fighting, and they don't want to do what's right. It's very easy for what right and wrong to be distorted in the minds of that young kid, especially when all he's been done for the last 
year and a half since he joined the Marine Corps is be pumped full of this hoorah garbage that you're here to spread freedom and democracy, right? It, it's hoorah. very easy to confuse that kid and get him believing he's doing the right thing. Well, even in uh, the Gulf War, they were um, there's this actually great book about um, Timothy McVeigh. Uh, there was a lot of cases where when they were trying to do the exploratory thing, of course, the government fucked it up, obviously, because they had to the, on the Gulf War syndrome. Um, you had like um, a lot of experimental drugs that they were giving to certain units. And there was like a huge um, backlash. This was like in the late 90s. Um, but then, of course, nobody remembers all of that because well, the, the no, media in particular, they buried it. Like they had people, they had like these neocons, like Robert Nozak write stories about how the Gulf War syndrome was just like, it wasn't real. Like, it, yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, I know. I, I was cutting you off. I, I think you're right. I, I think I don't think people realize just how much these guys get screwed. So they not only, you know, did they have a bunch of experimental stuff they were putting in this guy's bodies, but they also had depleted uranium rounds they were using yep. on all yep. the tanks. And that was another thing. And now I just saw a report the other day that uh, they were burning like toxic garbage right next to the camps that a lot of these army yep. guys were living at. Now they're dealing with like, like they're dying of lung diseases and the, the VA will not pay for any of their treatments, won't pay for any wow. of their healthcare because they can't yeah. prove that it happened when they were in the service. And oh so my God. This is, yeah. Oh. See, this is the kind of crap that oh. all these military guys put up with. And I'm just saying these guys are used to putting up with an immense amount of shit. So it's going to, it's not difficult to convince that guy that this, this clown, you know, this civilian back at home, not wanting to get his shot. So now you got to go over there. Now he's shooting at you. Eventually you just go, all right, I'm just going to level this place and, and we're just going to put this down. Wow. It's not hard and, to convince that kid that he's doing the right and, thing. And it's almost like That's they're a nuclear black. And it's right almost like there. they're, they're, oh, they're hijacking. They're hijacking this, uh, uh, hatred and just this frustration that that kid is feeling which would have been directed otherwise at the system but the system is redirecting all of yeah, that they towards... just look at you like a civilian like you're just in the way of their paycheck that's pretty much i i hate i i mean i'm sure there probably would be more senior servicemen that probably would consider the implications of hmm. opening fire on the American. Well, but that also makes I me remember... but that also makes me think like would we still have enough veterans who maybe in certain choke points around the United States who, you know, may have lost all their guns in a fishing boat accident. I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, how <laughs> is this Rambo? You, you're talking about Rambo? <laughs> no, that's, that's a common, it's a common thing. It was just like, Hey, what, what kind yeah. of guns do you have? And it's like, I don't have any guns. I lost them in a tragic fishing boat accident. <laughs> you, know, we, you don't have to report any of them, but One no, of I, I think you guys are, you guys are right in the sense that I, I do think that, there, there are definitely some some real patriots. So what what they're called? We call them pipe hitters. Real pipe hitters out there who are violent, who are well trained, who are fit, and who are now living in the civilian world. And I do think that those guys would put up a fight. Your your question was, will will the military actually like refuse the order? And, and I don't know that they would. I don't have confidence that they would. Mm. 
Interesting. I mean, we just have to see how things play, and you're absolutely right that right now we should be concentrating on what we can do in our communities. I still think that when it comes to something like the internet, like I always say, if we were to teleport a lot of the philosophers or intellectuals 100 years ago to today, I'm sure they'd be pretty amazed just by the amount of information they can get by just going to, you know, LibGen or any any kind of site out there would just at your fingertips give you everything that you need. All the mysteries of the universe are there for, are there for the taking. Yet at the same time, most people, they're not going to do that at all. They're not going to do one iota of that kind of uh, stuff. Instead, they're just going to become a gooner. They're just going to, you know, they're, <laughs> they're just going to waste their entire time on the internet just seeking uh, pleasure, just seeking fluff. And I do think that there is going to be a divide at a certain point where you're going to have a class of people that are going to be in that mode. They're just going to only be seeking pleasure, seeking stimulation, and they're just going to be uh, sucking at the teat of the machine. Yeah, but Lev, we have like like we have uh, Twitter spaces where there's a race war going on 24-7. This is amazing. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah, that, uh, that is also part of that whole pleasure seeking, that whole idea of like, Whoa. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of this <laughs> great, you know, this, uh, you know, this great war that's being fought and, you know, I'm just typing away and that's going to be so many people, yet there are also going to be people, I think, who are going to do the complete opposite. They have the internet in front of them. They are going to find the mysteries of the universe. They're going to work together to figure out what exactly this is. What exactly this three-dimensional reality that we're living in is. And that's what I'm, like, if you're asking, uh, you know, you're a very positive person, which is rubbing off on me every time I listen to your show, this is something that I'm very pumped about. Just the ability to now be able to see what are certain things that we've put a limit at historically and overcoming that particular uh, limitation. You know, if we're talking about even just, like, what people are capable of. And I'm curious if you've had any experiences like that as well. There was a, there's a great book written. It's called On Killing. And uh, it's if you have an interest in the subject, it's worth reading. And one of the things that um, people have a hard – humans have a hard time killing other humans. It's a very difficult thing to do it's, it's, and surprising to a lot of people. It's even more difficult when you're killing your friends and your neighbors uh, or, or people who are like you. It's why the military makes up names for everybody. You got Japs and you got the Krauts uh, and you got, uh, uh, you know, Hajis in the Middle East, right? It, the, the whole idea is to desensitize the military men uh, to the fact that they're killing other human beings to make them seem somehow less than human. Uh, it's a psychological strategy oh, we've been using geez. since the very early on, right? And yep. um, so there is there is going to be a lot of resistance just to any sort of killing of people who are like you. Uh, that's the hardest kind of person to kill. Uh, and so it, it's a really interesting book if, if you if you feel the need. I'm definitely going to take a look at that book. That uh, does seem very interesting. And in general, would you have uh, I mean, I know that you have the uh, Nomad Network that you've uh, built up. Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, I've recently joined up. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, the, the Nomad Network is just a, a group for people who are who want to build personal autonomy. Uh, they they want to have control over more of their life. We recognize that the world is changing and that I, it's we don't refer to it as a social side, although certainly it's built kind of like one. For us, it's more of a community. 
It's a place to come, be positive, to share uh, experiences, to ask questions, to get help from other people. We deal with a lot of folks who are either entrepreneurial, have already had businesses, or who are trying to get that side hustle going so they can spin off some extra cash. Maybe they want to start a podcast like you guys are doing write a book, something that creates a little bit of autonomy for themselves and start building onto that. And so um, that's a community that's designed to help people like that and and hopefully help people build some income mobility too. So that if like I just left California and moved to uh, and moved to Scottsdale here in Arizona, we will most likely move from there, you know, down down further south into Central America somewhere. Because I just don't see the situation around here getting any better. And, and I don't have any real desire to sit around and try and fix it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, am, I would much prefer to go be free somewhere else. And the only way you're able to do that is if you have a lot of, a lot of money, so you got a lot of, store, of stored savings and investment, or if you have a high income that's mobile. Uh, and so we're that's the kind of the next progression for us. And we're kind of trying to help connect people who want to do that as well. And you also have uh, people who are your mentors. And you recently talked about how you invested uh, well, a part of your company and also invested money into having your own mentor. And to most people, that may seem like a stretch. But what exactly is the benefit of doing something like that for you? And uh, when would you recommend it for other people and to what extent? Well, I, I think we all need mentors all throughout our lives. I think the, the most foolish, the, you know, the, the most expensive lessons are the ones we have to learn on our own. I would much prefer to have somebody else tell me the right thing to do step by step so I can avoid the pitfalls. I've had mentors since I, well, starting in the military, right? And before that, uh, I had, you know, mentors inside my family. And so I've had them all the way through. I think that if you don't have, if you don't know where you want to go right now and you got no idea what you want to do with your life, dude, you need somebody there, somebody there to help you identify what your talents and skills are, what your passions are, and to kind of help point you in a direction. And um, for me, at this stage of my business, I've, I've built a couple of books, bootstrapped a couple of seven figure businesses. And um, the guy that my mentor, uh, his name's Mark, is a guy who just sold a company for more money than than whatever number you have in your head. It's a lot bigger than that number. <laughs> and he's a guy who I admire and I admire his business. I admire his ethics. And I wanted his help growing my my next company. And so I offered to sell him a chunk of it, and he took me up on the offer. and And he is a he's he's a good friend, and he's he's a partner with me. And it's going to be very expensive. I, I would imagine over I've I've probably forty years of working life left still, maybe a little less than that. Call it thirty. Um, I got thirty years of working life left. What am I going to pay this guy? Ten million, twenty million, a hundred million dollars over that time? I don't know. I hope it's a lot. Because whatever I pay him will be a fraction of what I take home. Uh, but my point is, uh, it's, that's a very expensive mentor to have. Uh, but it's the only way I know to get where I want to go. And it'll be a lot cheaper and a lot faster to do it this way than to try and figure out how to do this stuff all on my own. And I love the comment over here from Kroenkick says, is it Zuckerberg? No, it's not. No. <laughs> I can imagine the two of you. That would be that. It was a, it was a software company he sold though. Mm. It was software. Well, out of curiosity, what were some of those uh, companies that you were working in uh, or working on uh, before that you were uh, selling? Like, in what industry were they? Well, I, I had a uh, I had a trading and investment company 
Um, I have a, uh, I have a, uh, like a, a business development company podcast I had made me, uh, well, about half a million dollars a year. Uh, and so, oh, wow. you, you know, that kind of stuff is just, you know, it's little things that you do. And it's like, this is one of the things that's so exciting to me is that a guy can start a podcast. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the industry I was in. I'd never started a podcast before. I, I just had made a lot of money in another business and I wanted to try and do this other thing and see if I could start a podcast. And two years later, it's spinning off 300 grand. And a year after that, it's spinning off almost half, about, about a half a million dollars. And it's like, dude, like anybody can do that. Anybody can. Well, to be to be you to be can't... honest, though, we got a we got several comments talking about what an amazing radio voice you have. So this may be a natural <laughs> thing, specifically. Uh, half a million. Yeah. Pi- that's Chapo numbers, right? There. That's Chapo. I mean, well, I, well, think about it. it's half a million. What do I mean? Joe Rogan just sold his for a hundred million dollars, and that's just like a four or five year contract or whatever he mm. signed. You know, there's big money out there. There's so much money out there. It's just like, it's just laying on the ground. You just got to know how to go and pick that sucker up. And so what I love doing is helping people find the thing that they really love. Yeah, I love that picture. And, and then helping them monetize it. By the way, do those work? Out of curiosity, those... Uh, What's that? It's some kind of a neck exercise machine. So you uh, put it in the oh, back I there. Have, I wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> I think Scott Steiner was using that. Interesting, interesting. But uh, but anyway, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think something like uh, what uh, I'm doing here, break the rules. This is something that the seeds getting planted early. Uh, start doing this around uh, May of 2020. Right now, I've got about a uh, seven thousand and six hundred. No, seven thousand seven hundred and fifty eight subscribers on YouTube. We're also on. Well, this is the shilling part right now. We're also on Spotify. Mm. We're also on iTunes. We're also on. Um, how he said what I'm doing for. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Gio, you are. You are doing a lot. <laughs> but uh, the point that I'm getting to here is that this started out pretty early on, uh, and now the subscribers are going up. I'm not going to be one of those people who says, oh, wow, the algorithms, the algorithms. That's no excuse. I know it's not the easiest right now to grow in terms of YouTube, but I am looking at various opportunities out there as far as other decentralized networks. We are also live streaming this on Odyssey as well, which uh, is uh, one of, I think, the uh, best up-and-comers right now for uh, this kind of streaming service. And in general, there's going to be, uh, I remember Nina Paley mentioned the Fediverse. There's uh, Urbit. Uh, there's all kinds of things out there that I think now is the time for us to start looking into because there is no way that I'm going to put my complete trust in the particular, you know, mainstream or legacy social networks that currently exist right now. So I think that this is just the beginning and this kind of show I think is going to be a very important thing going forward because it is important for somebody like yourself to speak to people who otherwise uh, would not have a chance to speak with you and to just keep multiplying that so people learn from each other and make new connections and uh, go from there. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a a great chat. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much, Jason. Is there uh, any final... uh, Well, okay, before we go, though, we do have to do super chats, and I really appreciate all the super chats that we have gotten. So let us do that. And if you guys have any final super chats, sneed those super chats right now because I'm going to be going through them real quick. So here we go. Okay, so... um, Okay, first of all, we have a new $5 patron. Thank you so much. I don't know if you you want your name out there, so thank you so much. 
Then we have、uh, Panaco Man, five Canadian dollars. I'm here in Toronto and then escaping through drug addiction. A Lamal.、Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's another.、Oh. That's another way. I don't know what to tell you. Well, if you're in Toronto, it probably pays dividends to be a drug addict right now. So. Yes. Thank God I'm in、uh. Niagara, though. I mean. It's still pretty bad here, but not. Well, you can you、mind. you can do a、uh, you can do good business with、uh, well, especially cannabis right now. There's a lot of opportunities there. I mean, in Canada probably, but uh, but anyway, yes,、uh, Matthew Lewis, I、yeah. did mention her, but as well, finally, last but not least, Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules, guys, become a patron today. You are going to get exquisitely beautiful work. My father Alexander Polyakov, he's an amazing artist. And、uh, let's see, I don't know if I have it over here. I probably have it somewhere else. But anyway, you'll see the image right now. You'll see it.、Uh, this uh, beautiful uh, magnet. I don't know.、Um, when it comes to craftsmanship, I don't know, Jason. Do you do any woodworking, any carpentry, anything related to、uh, to that that particular field? No, I'm the least handy guy you're ever gonna meet. Well, then my dad is the、uh, opposite in that sense. My dad,、um, he taught me how to draw. I'm also an animator, animation director, whatever you want to call it. I do animation. I also do uh, uh, NFTs right now,、I'm、making my own artwork. And、uh, my father is a big inspiration to me, who、uh, makes these beautiful magnets. I'm gonna put them on the screen so、uh, you can see them as well here. Putting them in the、uh, BTR chat. And、uh, he makes these out of a、uh, really great quality、uh, wood over here, maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry. So for twenty dollars, well, for ten dollars, you're gonna well, first of all, you're gonna support the show, which is very appreciated. You're also going to get MP3s after the episode comes out. You're gonna have a、uh, special patron-only episodes as well, a bunch of other goodies. But twenty dollars is gonna get you a beautiful wooden magnet of my、uh, father's decision. But if you become well before that. Thirty dollars. They're also gonna give you a beautiful print from Gio Panicetti. A very wonderful、uh, print Gio does. Gio is also、uh, an amazing artist. And、uh, for fifty dollars, you are going to get all of the above plus a custom、uh, magnet, whatever design you want. So if you want that beautiful snake that、uh, Jason has in the background of his、uh, logo, I know which one I like more, by the way, because the Jason Stapleton program. That one has a very beautiful、uh, snake logo as well, you know, with the、uh, that powerful jaw. But、uh, anyway, here is a print from a Geo from the TFW No GF series, so you can get a print like this as well for thirty dollars. Like I mentioned before, fifty dollars gives you that, gives you the、uh, Bob Ross style painting from Geo as well. It also、uh, it also just gives you. The understanding that you are investing in something that is going to go far, thanks to your help, and we are always going to be very appreciative. Of course, it also gives you certain Discord privileges to post images on Discord, which、uh, again, there's a level of trust involved there, people. So、mm -hmm. anyway, thank you so much for watching. I am going to do the final plugs of the day. So everybody, please follow Jason Stapleton at Twitter.com/slash/at Jason underscore Stapleton S T A P L S T A P L E T O N, Jason Stapleton, and you can find the、uh, Nomad Network by going to nomadnetwork.app.app. And、uh, let's see, is there well, obviously your podcast as well. So、uh, I'm going to post that、uh, in here. And any other、uh, final words, Jason, before we go? No, guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It is a great pleasure. Well, here, go to、um, yeah. One more thing, I was just gonna ask you, Jason. Where can people find you? Okay. Oh, you just posted JasonStapleton.com. That is the last.、Uh, yeah, the link over here. After you quit Twitter, you know. Yeah, you can find all all the stuff at JasonStapleton.com. 
There we go. Sweet. And uh, guys, also follow Tux on Twitter as well at Tux Loves You. I don't have no idea if you want more followers or not, Tux, but you know why not? Always welcome. Always welcome. Always that's welcome. That, that's right, everybody. So Tux loves you at Twitter. <laughs> follow Tux, and of course the great Giovanni Panacchietti, twittercom Geo, the one and only. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and YouTube. YouTube. YouTube.com/GiantArtProductions. Uh, are you going to be doing a new video? yeah um i have a short one but i i think i'm gonna do uh more some another odyssey exclusive but also i might i have a few videos in mind that'll probably come one of them will probably come out next week um i just have to really set aside time i've been busy writing mostly uh so yeah excellent but i but I've just, yeah, I've been organizing a bunch of podcasts and everything. Of course, you know, BTR is always busy. So. And uh, lastly, but not leastly, twitter.com slash lovepo, L-E-V-P-O. Follow me on Twitter. Join our Discord.